In this episode, I am going to be dissecting the 2019 Tough Man event. I am assuming that I am hitting a target audience of nine people. That's uh, everyone who was actually standing there this morning watching the Tough Man event. But if anybody else wants to listen and learn, this is a great opportunity. My guess, based on the weak-minded individuals that are in this world, there will only be a select few people that actually listen to us that weren't that weren't there. But it's a the intelligent person is someone who learns from others' mistakes. So what we're going to do today, I am going to watch the film, it's on YouTube right now, of each one of the competitors. I'm going to dissect their approach to each one of the events in The Tough Man, and then I'm going to be giving coaching points as to things that they could do to shave seconds off of their time. So, to be very fair, this was a crazy, crazy day. We had people, we had five people break the all-time record today. So this had previously been held by our four-time tough man champ, Ryan Smith. People had gotten close, like Joe Sarno had gotten close. He was like within uh, tenths of a second. Pete Amorosi and Joe Trunzo before this were within like one to two seconds, but no one was able to cross that threshold. And then we had people today beat it by over 13 seconds. Two people beat it by over 13 seconds, and five people actually beat it. So let's talk about what the tough man is. We'll then talk about the times, and then we're going to get into the coaching points. So if someone's listening to this who wasn't there this morning, I'm going to break it down for you. There are five events in our tough man competition, and there are no breaks. So it is five events. There's five separate little mini events, and your only break is moving from one obstacle to the other. And the whole thing is a timed event, so even your break is being timed. The event starts with furniture sliders. So you put your feet on furniture sliders, and you push the ground away from you. You're basically moving yourself along the floor. You're doing like a reverse army crawl with your feet on the furniture sliders, and you're moving 15 yards. All of these obstacles actually take uh, a 15-yard length. So when I'm doing this, I'm starting with my feet on the, the slider, and I go about I go 15 yards, I get through the 15-yard mark, full body through, I yell clear, and then you move to the next obstacle. So the next obstacle is a one-armed farmer's walk. So you get to the farmer's walk. If you're not familiar with what this looks like, imagine a, a, a weight a, a, a barbell in the weight room that has a handle welded to it. So you can add weights to each side of that barbell, and then there is a handle that's similar to that of a suitcase. That's why people would call sometimes call these suitcase, ca suitcase carries, and then you pick it up, you carry it from that handle. So that, that barbell we load up with 140 pounds. So we're not including the weight of the barbell itself. So then you pick up that barbell, you carry it 15 yards, and then you move to the next obstacle. That next obstacle is a prowler. So that prowler, uh, for people that don't know what a prowler is, it's a sled, it's got high handles, it's got low handles, and you push that sled. What we do is we go with the high handle once 15 yards, we turn, ar we run around to the other side of that prowler, there's a low handle on the other side of it, you push that back 15 yards, then you go back to the high handle, push it again 15 yards. So now you move off that prowler, and then now you're going to pull a sled, you're going to pull a sled while you're sitting on a bucket. So you sit on the bucket, that bucket has a chain right next to your feet. The other end of that chain is attached to a sled 
with 140 pounds on it. And before I get too far, that Prowler has 170 pounds on it. So it's 140 pounds on the Farmer's Walk, 170 pounds on the Prowler, and then 140 pounds on the sled. You're then going to pull that sled into your body. As soon as that sled crosses your feet, we'll get the clear call, and then you run to the last leg of this event, the sliders. There's a second set of sliders. You put your feet on the sliders. You again do that reverse military crawl we call in reverse sliders. Full body through the 15 yards and you're done. This is the event. It's a timed event. The guy who does it the most quickly wins. Things to consider about the, the event itself. So why do we have sliders? Well, for me, I'm a big fan of relative body strength. So being able to push your entire body with just your arms, working on core strength, uh, it's also a tough condition to breathe. To me, that gives that gritty slash, uh, that toughness slash endurance aspect to this event. Then for the farmer's walk, this is where you're working on your grip strength. It's also working on insane core strength as it's, it's a unilateral movement. The weight is really on one side of your body. So you're, you're only holding it with one arm. It's on one side of your body. And to stabilize your body, you have to be able to a, have the strength in, of that hand, and B, have the strength of your core. So you went to this relative body strength, so the skinnier guys will be really good at things like sliders. And then the guys with the real good grip strength are going to be good at things like farmer's walk. The, the next part of this is that uh, we go to the prowler. So maybe you maybe have small hands. So maybe you're not good at the farmer's walk. This prowler now, in many instances, could be considered a, a full body exercise. But for me, I'll consider it more of a lower body. You, you are driving it with your arms, and sometimes there is an arm extension on the punch. But for the most part, it's really about that leg drive as you're driving your knees forward and pushing this sled. It's also, you know, if you're, if you're an athlete, it's working on great angles, great shin angles, great get-off angles as you're coming out of a stance or if you're running back, hitting a whole low. It's also, as you're working on this lower body uh, strength, it's also a good endurance activity as you're going back and forth on that prowler. And then the last thing I would say for the chain, that chain pull on that sled, not only if your grip strength is great, that will really help you, but it also will help you work on the backside of your body. Uh, so we're not pushing in this instance, now we're pulling. So for us, we work the front with the sliders, we work the grip with the farmer's walk, we work the push with the prowler, and, and that includes the upper body push and the lower body push. Then we have a pull with the sled, and then we finish again with that last slider. To me, this hits several different aspects of the, the athleticism of a person. So it, it doesn't just cater to the super strong. It doesn't cater to the super fast. You'll notice that usually the biggest guys in our group don't win. The fastest guys in our group that don't win. It's usually the person that is the total package that wins this type of an event. Okay, the next thing I must address is people will continue to ask me, like, when are you going to compete? Coach Mahoney, why don't you compete in this drill? Well, there's, there's two main reasons why I don't compete. Thing number one is that uh, me competing in this drill is the same thing as like uh, me getting into an arm wrestling match with like a, a 99-year-old man. I'm not saying that I'm that much better than the guys in the group. In fact, there are many guys in the group that I don't think I could beat. But the point is this. Me as the coach, if I win, well, I'm supposed to win. And if I lose, well, then it's an upset. So it's the same exact thing as me arm wrestling a 90-year-old man. There's nothing for me to gain in these instances. The second part of that, the bigger part of this, is that there is a lot of time and preparation put into me coordinating and facilitating the event. I am emotionally shot 
before even before we walk out there. There's a lot of getting in, like who's going in what order. Uh, do I have all the right toys? How does the field set up? Is everything uh, the right distances? Are the right weights on the right toys? Is anyone going to give me a hard time about the placement of a comb? And then in between each guy's drill, I am the one resetting everything because I don't want any controversy. And there will be, and there some there most of the time is about how uh, one of these toys is placed on the on the field. So I had to address that point. The last thing I want to mention is there are variables to this, uh, and we'll 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 get into them as we're dissecting the film. But we don't go the people don't go in the same direction each time. What I do to speed up the event is after one person goes, rather than move all the implements or the toys back to the starting point, I turn them around. So uh, rather than pull the sled back 15 yards and switch it in place of the bucket and the same thing with the prowler, I mean, this could take like uh, 15 minutes in between drills to reset everything, and that adds to complexity, and that could lead to me messing something up. I've, I've came up with a system where you just turn the, the toys around and you don't have to think. By not thinking, it really help, reduces the variability of the event and it reduces the, the, the fact of me screwing something up. Having said that, the difference is some guys may have to approach the slider from the right, uh, sorry, the, the sled, oops, sorry again, <laughs> the farmers walk after their first slider, so they do their slider, they might have to approach it from the right side, they might have to approach it from the left side. If you are approaching it from its left side, and you have weak left hand strength, well then, you you waste some time because now you're going to run around that farmer's walk, walk and try and grab it with your right hand. Having said that, if you do that, now when you are on the left side of that farmer's walk, you then have a cleaner break to the prowler when you're done. If you, uh, if you are left-handed and you're super strong, well then you just you save that time of getting to the farmer's walk, but now you have to hop over the farmer's walk to get to the sled, sorry, the prowler, or run around it. So these are things that I'm going to address. It's, it's a little point, but it's a big point. And I, in our training, we are constantly talking about our transitions from one element to another. And I, especially with the farmer's walk, trying to reiterate to the guys, continue to practice working on it with your left hand and your right hand. So why do I bring this up? Because as I was setting up the event today, uh, I heard murmuring that there's a flaw in the system. Uh, we should all go the same exact way. We should choose the events in the time and the order that we want to choose them. That sounds great, but Mark, like, write these words down right now. Complexity is the enemy of execution. I'll say it again. Complexity is the enemy of execution. You may try to devise this perfect system, but you're adding in all of these variables that would make it almost unexecutable. And you could take that with you to anything. Uh, a business program, a football playbook, whatever. This is that that is a transferable message. All right. Don't want to go on too much of a tangent here. So we're going to take it down to the actual event. We're going to break this down person by person. We're going to go in the order that they went. So first up was Andrew Cortese. So Andrew Cortese. Uh, let's talk about the order and why it was put in this way. We put guys in the order based on three different things. The amount of workouts that they attended from January up until today, the amount of challenges that they were in, and the amount of challenge points that they had. So for me, showing up is a big deal. For me, being in challenges is a big deal. It means you're competitive. And then for me, winning challenges is great because you're a sick competitor. So Cortese uh, had to go first 
for a couple reasons. One of those reasons is that he's in college, so he didn't have the benefit of training with us since January. So he had no chance of actually being in a lot of challenges or attending a lot of sessions. Having said that, he also went on like a, a two-week vacation and started late. So this guy was going first no matter what. So for those that don't know Andrew Cortese, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's like a, a wingback slash DB Super fast, very athletic, so there's things he's going to excel in and things he's going to struggle with. So he's leading us off. He's the first guy to go, and he's starting off with the sliders. Now, my first critique of his movement with the sliders, and he's going pretty fast, but if you can get your hands on this film, his hands are externally rotated. That means that his fingers are pointing out away from his body. And the, what he's doing is he's losing surface area as he's pushing. His form is relatively good and his speed is relatively good. But if he took his fingers and rotated them forward so that they were in line with his shoulders as, a pointing, as opposed to pointing out and away from his body, now he has the full palm of his hand pressing against the floor. And what I like to say uh, is like, it's like in physics, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So you should be able to push the floor in front of you. You're actually pushing the floor in front of you. Push it, push it, push it. If your hands are out to the side, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to get that push into the floor away. So overall, he's fast. So he compensates for it with his speed. He gets up. The thing I'd say too is that he goes, uh, he probably goes a little too far past this, this, that cone. He probably went about 16 yards, but not the biggest deal in the world. The thing that is a little rough is because he went so far, he has to round off his angle to get to that sled. Now this is a guy, I'm sorry, to the farmer's walk, which is the next event. This is a guy before the event today, I watched him doing uh, what I would call the, the, the first leg of the pro agility test, working on his lateral movement. So I thought for sure he was going to be the fastest guy getting from one event to the next. But in this case, he rounded it off like a, uh, a baseball player going from second to third base. Now, he picks up the farmer's walk. He's in a little trouble here because he doesn't have the biggest hands in the world and he's not the, the strongest guy in the group. So he has to pick it up with two hands. Big, big, uh, big slowdown. I don't know if we've really had many people pick this thing up with two hands and win other than Ryan Smith, but he was able to make up for it in every other category. Now what's interesting, at the end of this farmer's walk, so what he does, he's carrying it with two hands. He puts it in front of his body. Good move. Smart move. It saves him from having to hop over the farmer's walk to get to the, the next event. Remember what I said. If you approach it from your left, in this case, he's approaching it from the right. So he picks it up on his right side, puts it in both hands, gets it in front of his body. But for some wacky reason, why I don't know, he's in front of the farmer's walk. He just needs to break right. For some reason, he hops over the farmer's walk, moving himself even further away from the next toy, which is the prowler. Now he rounds around again, kind of like a guy rounding second base, and he hits the prowler. Now, I think his form is pretty good on this prowler. He's got good leg drive. His legs are in line with his body. And at this point, overall, when he hits that prowler, that high handle on the prowler, he's at 20 seconds. Not too awful of a time. That's not too awful of a time considering years that are on, years that are years passed. He hits that prowler. His legs are driving forward good. He's at the high handle. Now he turns and he has a pretty good transition to the low handle. He hits that at about 27 seconds. That's a terrific, terrific pace. The only thing I'd say about his low handle is that he pushes the prowler, I'd say about a yard, almost a yard past that cone. So now that's a second wasted. 
Pushes the prowler about a yard past the cone, but again, he's got great form on the way back. Perfect knee drive. He's now going back to the high handles on the prowler, the last turn of the prowler. And again, he pushes the prowler about a yard past the cone. So for my, my recommendation to him would be to really try and figure out your own strength. And this is hard. There's a lot of variables here. That, that turf condition, it was a nice, that, that field was nice and moist. It was cool out. So you really don't know until you get into it. But I would say to throttle down a little bit before the end mark so you don't push it so far. All right, cool. He finishes the prowler. He gets himself to the sled. He does something that I, I kind of like. He, he sits and grabs the chain at the same time. A lot of guys don't do that. A lot of guys will pick up the chain or they'll sit down, but they'll never do them simultaneously. He's now pulling the chain into himself, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. Historically, this has been his worst event. Again, he's not the biggest guy in the world. This is for the for the littler the smaller guys. This is rough. This is rough. He's doing great, but then he loses the grip on the sled, on the chain. He drops it. He doesn't drop it to the floor, but he loses that that perfect grip. And you'll notice if you're watching the video towards the end, instead of having his hands supinated where his palms are in, he starts to turn his left palm out. And I was trying to give it these major chugs, the major chugs. And sometimes when you give that major chug, you pull that sled into yourself a little too closely. He's got to hop over the, the sled, and then he's got to finish now. He goes back onto the sliders, his last leg of the sliders. What I like, quick transition on that last leg of the sliders, but his hands are still externally rotated. He gets about six yards, and this is, uh, you know, you, you try to figure out the why behind some of this stuff, and it's a little hard to see on film. He gets about six yards, and his right leg, it juts out to the side, then he compensates and pulls it back in, and he kicks the slider out from under him. So you'll notice that there, this is a big thing. People will lose the slider at the end of the event, especially when they're fatigued. But it's because his right leg goes out too far. He kicks it out from under him, and now he's got to finish this thing on one leg. Regardless, the kid finishes in 1 minute and 17 seconds. Overall, in the history of this tough man that, that, that has done this exact challenge, that's an awesome score. That's like a top 10 score. Ryan Smith, four-time champs, had gotten 113. This guy, this kid comes out, leads us off, and he gets 117. The, everybody's shocked. A and for him, his best time before this was, I think it was like 125. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I got the stats up here right in front of me. So his best time before this was 130. And he hit it in 117. And I think last year he hit it at 145. So people are impressed slash nervous slash whatever. I don't know. So next up is uh, Tommy Judice. And, or Tommy Judice. Sorry, I'm going with the uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. Tommy Judice goes up. And they call him Tommy Trey. So this is a big guy. This is a guy that last year, he, he's an offensive lineman in college. He's a guy last year that he worked out with us once on the Tough Man. We, he couldn't even drive home. He was so sick, he couldn't drive home. I had to drive him home. I was late for work. Having said that, he's come a long way. And uh, he, he wasn't allowed to compete in the Tough Man last year. I, I was too worried about his health. This kid goes on, kills his college conditioning test, comes back, and uh, he, he's really impressed us with the way he was able to pull the sled. But I'll get to that in a second. So, he hops up. He's in his sliders. This is going to be the toughest thing for him because he's a big dude. And his, his, one, his palms, as he gets tired, they start to externally rotate. So very similar to Cortese. Very similar. Now, if you watch the film enough, his left hand doesn't externally rotate as much as his right. 
So he starts pushing more of his left hand. It makes him go to his left, sorry, his right a little more because he's pushing more off of his left hand. It screws him up because he hits the cone. And then when he gets up, he now falls off of his sliders. He recovers pretty well, though. I'll say that. He recovers pretty well. Now, what I, what I think he does, which is kind of smart, is he, he decides that he is a big guy. He's going to run around the farmer's walk. So he's approaching the farmer's walk from his left, but he decides to go up, uh, to go around it. I don't know why he decides to pick it up with two hands. I think he's a pretty strong guy. No problem. Picks it up with two hands. Carries it in front of him. All right, no big deal. And then he's on to the next event, the Prowler. When he gets to that point, if he gets to that point, he's at 20 seconds. Cortese was also at 20 seconds. So right now, him and Cortese are tied at this first event. 20 seconds, again, relatively speaking, these are really good times considering the overall uh, times of everyone. So now he smashes this, this Prowler. He kills it. I think he kills it too much. So I'll say two things. One, he kills it. He's blowing through this event. Two... The one thing I'll say about offensive linemen, the way they're taught to block is normally by pushing off the outsides of their feet and in many instances with their knees out. Some people will call it a, something like a duck walk. For the, for the prowler itself, you really want to use your running form. So I want to have my knees straight. I want to push off the inside of my foot. So my big toe all through the ball of my foot on the inside of my foot as I'm pushing this thing because it's like running mechanics. This is not like we're pushing a gigantic... Uh, or sorry, defensive lineman. This is a 170-pound prowler with whatever the weight of the actual sled is itself. So he, regardless, he's a tough dude. He kills this thing, but he kills it so much that the prowler goes almost two and a half yards past the line. All right, he does a pretty good job of recovering. He's got relatively good form, I'd say, minus his feet angle. I think he had his he would have to mobilize his ankles a little more. But again, he pushes this thing about two, two and a half yards past the comb. So now he gets himself to the high handle. He pushes it back, does a pretty good job. I'd say same, same issue with the feet, but he gets himself to the sled. I'm sorry, to the, uh, yeah, to the sled. Now when he gets to the sled, he's at 30, I'm sorry, he's at 43 seconds. 43 seconds at the same event, Cortese was at 45 seconds. So he's two. This guy is this big dude is now two seconds behind a guy that is much faster than him. Now, getting to the sled, a couple of weeks weeks ago, we had trained with Tommy, and he was killing everyone on the sled. He came up with this new technique. Instead of pulling hand over hand, we go left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand. He was taking the chain with both hands and yanking it to one side of his body. Does a pretty good job. Uh, does a pretty good job on that event, and then. I'd say that event took him, if I'm looking at the data right now, took him about 20 seconds to do. Again, if you're comparing that to last year, that's that's awesome. Like, he's right up there with the best of the best 20 seconds, and that's in a fatigue state after a big guy is doing sliders, farmer's walk, and prowlers. Now he gets to his last round of sliders. This is the This is the one that really takes on the big guys. This time now, both of his hands are in that externally rotated position. He starts to wear out. He's slowing down. He's battling through it, but he gets tired, and he stops about five yards short. He gets right back up, but he stops. And now when he hits that wall, and his butt starts to come in the air, and now instead of just pushing against, uh, I'd say, his legs, now he's got to push. When your butt comes in the air, now you're pushing against your torso. So you're pushing up, and you're pushing back. That's a big loss. When you're flat, you're just pushing in one direction. Here he's pushing against two different forces, and he finishes in one minute and 23 seconds. Not a bad time. 
I'd say in, in other events, this is actually a relatively good time. In this event, you'll see that this turns out to be the 8th place finish. So we had Cortese go first. He's at 117. He's in the top 10 all time. And then uh, in 8th place comes Mr. Judice, uh coming in with 123. So the third guy that's going to go, Bobby Albarino. So Bobby Albarino, super in shape guy. He actually works, I think it's called that uh, parabolic fitness. He does this stuff for a living. Uh, Bobby's biggest issue is that he hardly came to any workouts. A big part of that reason was that he trains people until like 1 o'clock in the morning, and we trained at 5.15 in the morning. So Bobby's, I'll say, uh, performance in this competition was exactly what it looked like. It looked like a guy who's in really good shape, jacked up dude, who's not really good at mastering these events. So he starts on the slider, and one thing I like is that he does a pretty good job, at least with one hand, he does a pretty good job with one hand of not having his hands externally rotated. But what the issue is is that his other hand is externally rotated. So he starts to veer off on the slider. Instead of going straight, he goes at like a 30-degree angle, and he starts on one side of a cone and ends on the exact opposite side of the cone adding about two yards for the run that he has to get to get to the farmer's walk. He gets up, he gets to the farmer's walk, and by the time he gets to this farmer's walk, I mean, he's, he's pretty fast. He's pretty fast. But by the time he gets to that farmer's walk, he's at nine seconds. Now, if, if you're thinking about the best of the best that do this, they're at eight seconds. So he lost about a second on that movement. Had he not gone all the way to the right, I think he's, he's there and under eight. I think he's there and under eight. So he picks up the farmer's walk. He's approaching it from the right. Great. He's right-handed. He's strong enough to do it. He picks it up one hand. He dominates the farmer's walk. No problem. But for some reason, he goes like a yard and a half past the farmer's walk. And then he runs around the farmer's walk. I don't blame him for running around the farmer's walk. But I think going a yard and a half past the farmer's walk puts him at a disadvantage as he gets to that slider. I'm sorry, as he gets to the prowler. So now he's at the prowler. He hits that prowler at 19 seconds. This puts him one second ahead of Cortese and Judice, who hit it at 20. So here he is. He's, he's driving this thing. He's driving this thing. I'd say that he's probably a little too high, so he's not able to get a good leg drive on the prowler. I'd also say that when he's going low handles back, if you're looking at the video, look at about 38 seconds, you could see that his body is directly over the low handles. So he's almost in like a, I'd say if you're looking at just his upper body, he'd be basically in a push-up position. So what I'm seeing is that he's pressing down on the prowler instead of being behind the prowler and pressing forward on it. So now his legs have to work against not only the weight on the prowler, but the weight against him. So he's pressing down as opposed to pressing forward. Regardless, he's a strong dude, kicking the you-know-what out of the prowler, but now he pushes the prowler about two yards past the end line, and he's got to turn it around and go high handles back. All right, not a bad job. He recovers nicely. He finishes up the prowler, makes his way to the farmer's walk, and he also does a pretty good job of simultaneously sitting on the bucket and picking up the chain. At this point now, he hits that sled at 42 seconds. Remember, Cortese hits it at 45. Judice hits it at 43. And here we go. So Bobby doesn't have the biggest hands in the world, but he is a super strong guy. So he, he, he does what I would like most people to do. He has a nice steady pace. He goes hand over hand. He's, he's doing a great job. This thing isn't swinging all over the place. 
And boom, the one thing he does at the end, which is kind of dumb. I don't know why. No offense, Bobby. But he yanks the sled into himself, which knocks over the bucket. Not a big deal, but I think it takes away another second. And you're going to see later on these seconds all matter a lot. He hops back on the, the sliders, the last leg of the event, and his right hand continues to externally rotate a lot. His right hand continues to externally uh, rotate a lot. Now he's pushing more off of his left hand. By pushing more of his left hand, his body starts to push over to the left, and now he is losing yardage. To compensate for that, he moves his right leg out a bit. His right leg goes out. He tries to compensate like Cortese. He moves it back in. He loses the slider. He's got to finish on one leg, but he finishes in 1 minute and 10 seconds. I'm sorry, 1 minute and 10.88 seconds. Regardless, this is him breaking the all-time world record. So this is a guy that left a lot of time on the clock, and here he is. He beats the world record, oh, not the world record, the advanced training record by 2 seconds. Pretty impressive feat. Pretty impressive feat. All right, so that's the first three guys that are up. The next guy, John Goldman, he comes in. Goldman, similar situation to Bobby Alvarino. Super strong, super fit. I, I, I'd say this guy's one of the, the best athletes that we've seen come through the program, but he too has not had enough repetitions with us to, to master th this tough man competition. If you're looking at it from experience perspective, uh, Bobby Alvarino's been in a tough man competition before, but not this one. He's been with us, but it was a different format. Cortese, this is his third event. Judice, this is his first event. Goldman, this is his first event. So he's really got to learn uh, the system. But he, you could see the, the, this guy is, is really in shape. He's big. He's strong. But he, too, he comes out of the gate. He's got pretty good hand angles on his slider. But he, too, he loses a slider. And as I'm trying to watch the film, he doesn't have the same issue as Cortese and Abom, uh, Alberino. His leg doesn't come out to the right. What I'm looking at here is it looks like he steps on the sliders so far in front that he has like he he has no footing on the slider to begin with. So he's stepping on the front of the slider and he just loses it. Like there's a little bit of traction. So now he loses the slider. He's about halfway out of the, the first event. He's got to go on one leg. Pretty impressive. He doesn't seem to slow down a bit. But unfortunately, being on the le one leg for so long, he starts to veer off to his left putting him even further away from this farmer's walk. Gets up, does a great job, grabs the farmer's walk. He's strong, he's fast, he's carrying this thing like it's a 10-pound a suitcase in the airport. No big deal. He recovers pretty nicely. He, he approaches it with his right arm, so he has to run around the, the farmer's walk to get to the prowler. I don't think too much of a big deal. By the time he gets to that prowler, that high handle of the prowler, he's at 19 seconds. So now he is neck and neck with Alberino, who also had 19 seconds, and he's a second ahead of Cortese and Judice. All right, so he smacks this prowler. I think he doesn't get a. I think he kind of stops a little before he hits it though. Like he he should just get a full running start and get into it. But his form's pretty good. He's got good leg drive. He. He does his best to stop the prowler before the line on the high handles before he gets to the low handles, but I think he's a little stronger than he thinks, and the ground's wetter than he thinks, so he pushes it about a yard past. I'd say overall a pretty good recovery, but by tr he's trying to stop it as it's turning, so he kind of stops his momentum. It'd be nice if he could let it glide and run around it as it's gliding and then smack the thing as it's moving. Either way, 
He recovers nicely, good form, he does a great turn on the way back. So as he goes from the low handle to the high handle, this thing stops, he, he stops it right at about the line. He, as he's coming around the prowler, he grabs it with his left arm, he grabs the high handle, which slows it down, it straightens it out, and then he slingshots himself back around. Now, the only thing I like to see is as he slingshotted himself, could he have pushed himself right into the prowler, because it kind of slows down again and comes from a static start. No problem again. Uh, again, he's strong enough to recover. He's not. It's not like he's completely out of this thing. He's strong enough to recover from that, and he's fast enough to recover. The one thing he now he gets to the sled, and what I don't like is that he picks up the chain and then he sits down. Doesn't doesn't seem like a big deal, but all these little seconds and things like this are going to matter. Super strong, super strong, pulling the sled. I, I don't see any issues in his form uh, until you get to the. So he. He's pull. He's getting these really good yanks. That gives you a lot of real estate. One thing you'll note, and I learned this myself two weeks ago, is that that works in the beginning. The super big yanks hand over hand. And it works because there's a lot of chain, and the weight of that chain on the ground is stabilizing the sled. But once you get a lot of chain past you, now there's very little chain. Once you start going with those big strokes, those big pulls at the end, now the chain starts to go like a, a seesaw, left and right, left and right, and now it becomes really hard. So, as he's pulling this thing, he loses it a little bit, and he's got to reset himself. He gives it two pretty good yanks, but now, because he gives it that really good yank at the end, the chain catches him on the foot. Right? Another second wasted. Another second wasted. He's got to hop over the chain, but now he's, and he's getting himself to that last set of sliders. By the time he gets there, he's at one minute. So something to note is that Alberino, the guy before him, also gets there at one minute. So the time to beat for him was Alberino, who got a minute and 11 seconds. He gets Alberino gets to the last high handle of the prowl at 33 seconds. So does John. Alberino gets to the sled at 42 seconds. So does John. Alberino gets to the sliders at 60 seconds. So does John. So now these guys are in a complete and total tie. And Alberino just won. He just set the record. How's Goldman going to finish this thing? Again, super fast guy, super strong. So he puts his feet on the sliders. He's going. And about three yards into it, he loses a slider. Now he's got to finish on one leg. Uh, really impressive. As, as he's trying to go through on one leg, he's actually using his... He, he lost it on his left leg. He's using his left knee to push himself off the ground. Pretty interesting move. So let, let's, I'm going to try and dissect, as I'm watching this, what would make this guy lose it. Why does he lose it on his left leg? And it looks like his left leg falls underneath his body a little bit. He tries to compensate, put his left leg out, and as he's doing it, that thing slides out from under him. So a lot of this is just getting yourself set. And It looks like his ankle turned outside a little bit. That's when he lost the slider. So... Kid's pretty strong. It's pretty impressive that he doesn't really slow down too, too much. He finishes in 1 minute and 11.6 seconds. So he, too, he's now the second man to beat the all-time record. He doesn't beat Bobby Alberino, but now he's the second guy in the same day to beat Ryan Smith's record of 1 minute and three, 13 seconds. Uh, so, crowd's going nuts. People are impressed, especially me. There's a crowd of two, uh, Andrew Cortese's dad and... Uh, Chris Kelly's mom, it's two people, and there were two other people walking around the park, but they were pretty excited too. So now let's get to the, the next competitor, Joe Moresco. Joe Moresco's come a, a super long way, a super long way. There were years where, I, like, like Judice, I would not allow him to be in the tough man camp competition. So uh, 
Joe, Joe's getting up now. Just checking out his video. Sliders. His what like most guys, he's got one palm. His left palm is pretty good. His his right palm is externally rotated, and now he's in the same situation. So we're starting to see a common theme here. It's not just your feet; it's your hands. So your as your hands are pushing your body, as your hands are pushing your body, it's moving you a certain way. It looks like because of the hand that was externally rotated, he tries to compensate. He has to compensate with his legs. His foot ends up losing a slider, and now he's in trouble. He's about five yards away, six yards away. He's got to push on a single leg to get to the prowler. He's a strong dude. He could pick up, I'm sorry, the, the farmer's walk. He's a strong dude. He could pick up the farmer's walk with his right hand. He approaches it from the le left, but he elects to pick it up with his right. Again, I have no issues with this because while you may lose the time of running around the farmer's walk, you gain the time, and it looks like he does a pretty good job of like rounding it off as he hits that line to round it off and get himself to the prowler. So now he hits the high handle of the prowler. When he hits the high handle of the prowler, he is at 18 seconds. This puts him a full one second ahead of Alberino and Goldman. Remember, both of those guys already broke the world record. They hit 19. Cortese G's hits 20. Uh, Moresco hits it in 18. Not bad for a guy that wasn't allowed to do this a few years ago and is coming like a dead last or, or pretty close to it. He hits the prowler. His form is actually pretty good. I love his leg angles. Good forward leg drive. I like it. Uh, the only thing is he pushes the prowler about a yard and a half past the line. He tries to slow it down, but he pushes it so far. And by doing that, as he, as he tries to go around it and slingshot his way across, and because he pushes it too far, he comes to a dead stop. So now he's got to push this thing from a static position. You want to be in motion the entire time. Now he does another good job of pushing it back. The prowler's in front of him. He's got good leg angles. I like it. But he's not pushing it straight now. He kind of pushes it a little bit to the left. In doing so, not only does he lose time, because the, the clock doesn't care if you're going left or right or up and down. It just cares it's just going in one direction. He, he knocks over the, the, uh, the cone, and now he's got to go back around the cone. He loses, and he loses more time. Now, the other thing he did, and we almost DQ'd him, is that he decides to throw the prowler past the 15-yard mark. And... He throws the prowler, which it, it may or may not have saved him time. I don't know. It's a high-risk move. If the prowler doesn't make it there, you got to go back and push it. So after him, we made the rule that, look, you got, you got to get, you have to, you have to be attached to this thing as it crosses the line. You can't throw it that way. So he pushes it past the line. He gets himself to the, the bucket, and he's another guy that bends over, picks up the chain, and then sits down. It'd really be good if you simultaneously do that. So he picks up. That he bends over, picks up the chain. At this point now, he's at the sled at 40 seconds. He has a two-second lead on Alberino and Goldman. And historically, Joe Moresco has been one of the best guys that we have pulling this sled. So Joe starts off. He's pulling it hand over hand, pulling it hand over hand. He's giving it big yanks like Goldman, but he loses his grip. And for whatever reason, he does this a lot. He then starts. His hands were he had his hands in a supinated grip. He then starts to pull it in a pronated grip. It does, to me, it's never made much sense why he'd do it. It's just kind of his reaction to the end of the movement, and I think it's swinging so much. Maybe it's easier to catch with his hands the other way. Uh, for him, I'd recommend slowing down as you get towards the end of that sled pull. This way it doesn't get out of control. So, And the other thing that seems to happen is these guys, when they're going with those big yanks at the end, they pull the bucket, sorry, the sled into themselves. Now they have to hop over it to get out. 
Not a big deal, though, right? He did pretty good. He finishes in 20 seconds, and now he is at the sliders at 60 seconds. This puts Alvarino, Goldman, Moresco, all three of them have now hit the sliders in 60 seconds. Remember, Goldman and Alvarino have all already, they've broken the world record. So Moresco, a guy people have counted out for years, guy wasn't even allowed to compete, now he's in it with these two great athletes at 60 seconds at the sliders. The question is, what does he do? Does he crumble? Does he fail? Or does he keep shocking everybody? Well, we're going to see. So he places his feet on the sliders, smartly does a, a good job of making sure they're secure. He's pushing, he's pushing, he's pushing. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. You're on pace. He's pushing. He stops. What? He's seven yards away from the end. He, this guy is on pace. He is on pace. He's going neck and neck with Goldman and Abarino. He falls to the ground. He stops. It seems like only a second, but it's not. The way this stuff works is that, that objects in motion stay in motion, right? There is this, this coefficient of friction. So if you're moving, things are going to be a lot easier to move once they're moving. But because he stops, and he's only down there for like a half a second, but it slows him down, and it slows him down just long enough that he gets gassed, and then he limps his way through the end of this movement, and he finishes, uh, he finishes at a career best 116.8. 116.8. He doesn't break the world record, but it, man, he killed his last time by over nine, by about nine seconds. So, tip my hat to this guy. I think he cleans up a little bit uh, with his direction, cleans up a little bit with his, slider, his sliders. He he could be in that that world of the one tens, one elevens like Alvarino and Gold. And you can, and I'm just gonna say again, we got three guys at 60 seconds on the dot hitting that last section of sliders. So now this takes us to the the great Pete Amorosi. Pete Amorosi came in second last year. His time last year was 115.81. He came in second. I'd say that for of all the people that did this, he's one of the few that had very little area for improvement. But let, let's uh let's dissect how Pete's going to go. So Pete's always traditionally very good at slot, very good at sliders. One thing I like right off the bat is that he has some pretty good. Uh, his hands are not externally rotated. So he is not, he's not having issues with sliders falling off of his feet. His legs are also relatively close. None of them are jutting out. And I do like, I, one thing I don't like is at the end he starts looking back. I think he shouldn't do that. I think if you're looking behind you, he's like kind of looking through his legs for the line. It does waste a little bit of time. But he's great. He has a great transition. He's fast. He gets up. He picks up the, sl the farmer's walk with both hands. I think the way he did it didn't help, didn't hurt him too, too much because he now puts the farmer's walk in front of him and he's able to break quickly to the to the prowler. When he gets to that prowler, that high handle of the prowler, he's now at 16 seconds. The next closest guy was Moresco at 18. So now Amorosi has a two-second lead on, on Moresco going into the third leg of this event. Now, this is pretty good. He's got some real good leg drive. I love his leg ang angles. His arms are extended, and he is now not leaning on top of himself to push this thing. He does a pretty good job of slowing the prowler down. Uh, pretty good. But he also, and I, I got to look at this one more time, when he gets to the end, he also grabs the pole. And I don't know, I can't tell from the film, but he might grab the pole a little too much. So it turns the prowler at like a 45-degree angle. I don't know if he should have done that. Uh, I think guys were trying to slow it down with their hands. I think it's really better to just let gravity slow it down a little bit. And if you're going straight and you let it go about a foot before and then you roll yourself around it, you got a fighting chance.
So he's now at a 45 degree angle going into the low handers. Again, great form, great leg drive. He's driving his knees forward. The prowler's in front of him, and he gets to the. He pushes it about maybe a, a, a half a yard. That, that's no big deal. Half a yard, no big deal. Three yards, big deal. So he pushes about a half a yard past the line. He hit, hits the high handle very nicely. Great leg drive. Runs through the cone, and now he gets himself to the infamous sled. So last year, Pete did a great job on the sled, and now he's at this sled at 38 seconds. Remember, the fastest guy there was Moresco. The next two guys were Alberino and Goldman at 42 seconds. So Alberino's got a two-yard head start on Moresco, a four-yard head start on Alberino and Goldman. And remember, Alberino and Goldman have already broken the world record. So let, how does Pete fare on this? So Pete's at the sled, an event he's traditionally done pretty well. I'd say that he does a relatively good job of picking up the chain. One thing I love is that he's going hand over hand, but he doesn't have an insane swing to his body. He, I'd say he's very condensed. His elbows are tied to his body. He doesn't rotate his upper body at all. His chest faces forward the entire time. So he doesn't give it huge yanks. He really has these really short, quick yanks. Not one slip up on that at all. He ends up finishing that event in 16 seconds. That is the second fastest time of anyone all day. Again, you had some good big dudes. You had Judice finishing that thing. He did it in 20 seconds. You got Moresco. He finished that thing in 20 seconds. Alberino and Goldman finished it in 18. Pete's now beating them by two seconds, putting him in the driver's seat at the sliders. He's at 54 seconds by the time he hits the sliders. He's fast. Uh, he doesn't get tired easily. So now Pete is in a position to really put himself in, in the driver's seat and take this thing home. So... He pushes. I, I will say that there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. Uh, I, maybe I'd say don't look so high. Maybe don't pack the neck. Maybe look at a 45-degree angle down. He looks. He's looking straight up. But other than that, it's a flawless execution of the sliders. He ends up finishing in 1 minute and 4 seconds. 1 minute and 4 seconds. So now he's beaten this guy, Alberino, the current world record holder. He just beats him by six, over six seconds, like six and a half seconds. Insanity. People are freaking out. Ryan Smith may be coming out of retirement. All right, up next, Joe Trunzo, the 2019 Challenge Champ, quite possibly uh, the most obsessed person about anything ever that uh, we get into with advanced training. He was the guy murmuring that the uh, event wasn't fair, that there were holes in the system. So before Joe goes, uh, he's debating with me about exactly where a cone should go. Uh, I think he's checking the wind. He's uh, putting weights on a scale to make sure they're regulation. Essentially, this guy wants to make sure every uh, T is crossed and every I is dotted before he goes. And there is not oh, <laughs> one thing he wants to overlook before he goes. So uh, I, I, I'm gonna. I'll just. I was gonna give you some foreshadowing, but I won't. Actually. I'm on the wrong guy. Let me take this back. Joe Trunzo did not go next. The next guy was actually Joe Sarno. My apologies. Joe Sarno, the 2018, 2018 Tough Man champ. Uh, in, full, uh, in full Sarno bravado, the shirt comes off. Guys are asking if he's been uh, dope tested. Uh, he's, uh, he's looking all jacked up. He's ready to go. He breaks out. Uh, he's he hits these sliders. He's always been a uh, killed slider. Last year, his, his breakout of sliders, I think it was like seven seconds. He kills it perfectly, uh, I'd say, rotated hands. Neither hand is externally rotated. He just crushes it. He gets himself to the farmer's walk. He's approaching it from the right. The, the guy can uh, p 
pick up 7,000 pounds with his hands, so he easily picks up the farmer's walk and drops the farmer's walk perfectly at the line. And I think it, it can't be overstated, the beauty of the hop that he does over the farmer's walk. I mean, for a big dude to be this athletic, it's impressive. He drops it, whoop, hops right over it, doesn't lose a step at all. And now he's approaching this high handle of the prowler at 15 seconds. Amorosi, who had just broken the world record at a minute and four seconds to complete the whole thing, he hits it at 16. So now Joe is a full second ahead of Pete at the at the high handle of the prowler. Hits the prowler, running start, full smash, he's crushing it. The only thing I'll say is that like Judice, his knees are out as opposed to in. I would say that, uh, and I've trained Joe long enough, I think a lot of this has to do with his ankle mobility. He's come a long way, so... I'm not saying, and look, I am nitpicking now that this guy completely dominates this test. But I think if his knees go in a little more, he becomes a little more fluid in this movement. Now, he's he. the one thing I'll say is that he crushes this thing, so he pushes it about a yard and a half, maybe two yards past the cone. He's got to recover from it, but is, is coming back. Uh, I'd say that he's probably a little too far over the top of the handle of this prowler, but, man, he's strong. He's strong and he's fast, so he's crushing this thing. Again, I'd also say that his knees should come in more, but it's hard to nitpick when a guy is dominating a drill. He And I like his transition on the way back. The low handle is better than the high handle. The only thing is that he catches himself. He he basically runs into it as he's trying. He's trying to slow it down. So you can see it. as he's running, he's almost pulling back on the prowler to slow it down so it doesn't go too far. He's compensating, I guess, for what happened the other way where he pushed the prowler past the line by about two yards. So he pulls it back into himself. It catches his shin. Uh, He does a good job of recovering. So he's got high handles back. No issues there. Good, Good form, nice and strong. He... I'd say that I would also like him to pick up the chain as he as he's sitting versus he picks up the chain and then sits. But now Joe is hitting the sled at 35 seconds. So now he's a full three seconds ahead of Amorosi. Amorosi hit it at 38. Joe had the last he hit the prowler the high handle before that at 28 seconds. He was only one second of Amor- ahead of Amorosi, but he picks up another two in that last high handle. So now he's a full three seconds ahead of Amorosi. And this is where you know. The kid's grip strength is insane. Everybody knows that he's not going to lose any ground on this movement. So he has a much bigger pull. He's got super long arms, super super big hands. He's got a bigger pull than Amorosi. And I could see that he gets some swing, not a lot, but he gets some swing into the sled at the end. To, to overcompensate for that, again, this happened to Goldman. Guys give it like a pretty big yank. And I'd say this is ever so slight. It's not a, again, we're nitpicking. The kid dominated the test, but it's ever so slight that he, I think he pulled this thing in slightly too far, and he's got to work his way around the sled to get to the sliders. So now he hits the sliders at 51 seconds. He's contain, continuing to get a, a three-second head start on Amorosi. So he finishes the sled in 16 seconds just like Amorosi did. They both hit it at 16 seconds. And now Sarno is at 51 seconds heading into the last leg of this competition. And remember, he's awesome at sliders. Amorosi has already broken the world record with a minute and four seconds. The question is, how will Sarno finish? Is he going to lose both sliders? Is he going to crumble or is he going to rise to the occasion? He smartly put, places his feet carefully on the sliders, and then he just crushes it. 
uh, <laughs> he crushes it. I, the only, I'd say he might have lost uh, like 0.1 second looking to his left instead of just going through the line, but he absolutely crushes that last leg of the sliders. He knocks it out in 8.7 seconds. That's the fastest time of anyone on the day getting through the last leg of the sliders. I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say too much more. So now Sarno has not only broken the world record, beat the great Pete Amorosi, he now just broke the one-minute mark because he finishes in 59.71 seconds. Which takes us to the man I started to talk about before. The man who is checking the wind and checking the weights and checking all the cones and moving stuff around. Joe Trunzo. By the way, he would do this before uh, every challenge. He'd move like a rock. Uh, He'd make me reset drills. Love him. Anyway, so Trunzo had said he was the Chuck, Chuck Knobloch of sliders. He couldn't get himself to do sliders right. So he does what any highly intelligent, competitive person would do. He goes and buys sliders on his own. And just like when uh, Happy Gilmore learned how to putt, well, Joe Trunzo learned how to do sliders. He comes out of the box and dominates. The only thing, I, I, I'd say two things that he, I, he does a little stupid. He looks back. He looks over his right shoulder for the cone because the, the cone is to his right. And he does it with about three or four yards left. And as he does that, he starts to push more off his right hand. And his right hand pushes more than his left. And he starts pushing himself not, I'd say, not straight. Now, some might call this cheating. Some might call this stupidity. I don't know. But he does, in his effort to do that, he actually moves himself closer to the farmer's walk. But I think it, you know, if you're looking at the time, it probably slowed him down overall because he was not going straight. He gets up. He runs around the farmer's walk, picks it up with his right hand. No issues of how he's carrying this thing. Uh, no, I, I, you could you could take it left-handed, you could take it right-handed, whatever. But now, because he approached it from his left, he had to run around the farmer's walk. But he, he now has a clear, because now he's on the right side of the farmer's walk, he has a clear run to the prowler. He hits this high handle of the prowler at 16 seconds. This puts him, even with Amorosi, and one second behind Joe Sarno. So he's even with Amorosi. He's one second behind Joe Sarno. Joe Sarno hit it at 15 seconds. Trunzo's form is pretty good. Uh, he's got good knee drive. He's got extended arms. He does a pretty good job uh, of driving this thing, but almost too good because he too, had he not run around the prowler, would have pushed this thing about three seconds past the line. So now he's got to run around. He's got to grab it. It slows him down. He's got to hit it from a dead start. He makes a, a dead stop, but he makes a good recovery. And he's able to, to push that low handle. And now I like what he does. I love what he does here. As he's pushing the low handle, he stops pushing it about a yard ahead and hops to the other side of it. So now this thing is still moving. He's able to get his feet planted in the ground. It doesn't go too far past the line. And now he breaks out of that high handle and gets himself to the sled. So let's let's think about what happened here. Uh, he was he, he he gets himself sorry. Let's think about what happened here. He he kind of pushed it too far. A uh, one side recovers nicely on the other side, and this entire time it kind of mirrors with the way uh, Joe Sarno was going, where he overpushed one way, compensated the other way. So they stay one second apart from each other up until they get to the sled. Joe hits the sled at 35 seconds. Uh, sorry, Sarno hits the sled at 35 seconds. Trunzo then hit it at 37 seconds. So th- this is pretty close. Trunzo was only two seconds behind Sarno by the time he hits the sled. So he hits the sled. He 
he does a pretty good job of jumping on the bucket while reaching for the chain. And what he also does, he pulls like Amorosi. There's a not a lot of upper body torso twist, which keeps this thing straight, and he has no issues. He doesn't drop the chain. He has no deviations. He kills the drill to the point that he does it in a whopping 13 seconds. So he's beaten Sarno by three seconds now on this sled pull. And pull. If you remember what I said, he was one second behind. I'm sorry, two seconds behind him before. So now I'm no math major, but now this puts Trunzo one second ahead of Sarno going into the sliders. So Trunzo hits it at 50. Sarno hits it at 51. And Trunzo, the self-proclaimed Chuck Knobloch, who seems to have now mastered the sliders is heading into this last leg. All he has to do is not screw it up. He's got a good push. His hands are in the perfect position. He is killing it. He's killing it. But again, he looks back to his right. He looks back to his right for the cone. He pulls off a little bit as he pulls back to his right. Pushes his body back into the left. Back into the left. Back into the left. And then he stops. A half of a foot, or a half of a millimeter, I don't know, it was small, before the cone. He stops, I don't know why. He stops, actually I do know why, the day before. He says, coach, is this legal? Am I allowed to stop and then push my body up as opposed to slide through the end line? So if you watch a guy like Amorosi, he, he full body pushes his, himself through that end cone. A uh, guy like Sarno, he kind of does a hybrid. He goes like full body, and then about halfway through his full body, he just kind of gets up on his knees and goes back. Trunzo stops about, uh, let's, let's be honest, it probably was six inches before that cone, and then throws his body back. I can't finish the time until it's full body through the line. So, they're neck and neck, and he ends up hitting 59 Point nine three seconds. That is point two two tenths of a second less. Sorry, more than Joe Sarno. So Joe Sarno is now the 2019 Tough Man champ, second year in a row. Uh, there were a bunch of little things along the way for each guy. There's times that guys could. There's little things that guys could do to shave seconds off of their time next year. If you are smart, if you're a competitor, if you're someone who just wants to, to dominate, watch, th watch this, footing, this, this footage. It's all on YouTube. Think about this as you train. When we do our competitive, when we do our sessions, forget about even the competition times. Focus on these little details. Are my hands turned the right way? Are my feet on the right spot on the sliders? Am I uh, pushing with one arm more than the other? You know, am I pulling this sled a little too erratically? These are the things that each guy needs to ask themselves. I'm going to close this thing out. I'm kind of exhausted. It's been a long, emotional day. But uh, I really I enjoy doing this. I don't know if anybody else is going to enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. The last thing I want to say to the one guy who said, Coach, this is going to be super interesting, you breaking down film while nobody can see the film. First off, this is my you, you guys are my tar target audience, and you have the film. Secondly... That means that no one's ever listened to like a, the Yankee game on the radio before or any game on the radio where some guy is explaining what happened. I may not be a great play-by-play -play guy, but I think, for at least for the guys that watch this film as I'm talking, they're going to get a pretty good tutorial on how to beat the Tough Man competition. All right. Thank you. Bye.